Emily Abend, the creative partner for worship at the local church, and you are listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast featuring the messages from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive faith community based in Chatham County, North Carolina. We gather for worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in person at Woods Charter School in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and online via Facebook Live and YouTube. No matter where you find yourself physically, spiritually, or emotionally, you belong at the local church. And we're so glad you're here. Our scripture reading this morning is from Jonah in the Old Testament, chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amidi, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship was threatened to break up. Then the sailors were afraid and cried out to each other and to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. God came to him and, or, the captain came to him and said, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, come, let's cast our lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast their lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, what is this you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you? that the sea may quiet down for us, for the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea was more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord for all of God's creation. Thanks be to God.
Leah and team. Good morning, friends. Earlier this week on uh, TLC Plus, which is our online community, uh, I asked the question, what book, TV show, or movie has the most memorable plot twist for you? Susan Harris chimed in and said The Sixth Sense, which is a classic. Richard said The Third Man, which I'd never heard of. Uh, I have to watch that, Richard. Uh, But if you've got one, shout it out. You got one? Steve? I'm your father. Yeah, Star Wars, for sure. Any others? The Silent Patient, a book. All right. Good. Summer reading. There, right there for you. Um, I thought of some others. Um, Probably one of the most impactful in my life was the final episode of season one of the TV show 24. Anybody ever watch that 24? No? It was a big one for me. Yeah. Nancy? Yeah. Um... Uh, the first season of The Good Place had quite a twist in it, too. Anybody, anybody watch that? Yeah? Yeah? Um, there's also, of course, Steve, as you mentioned, the, uh, the classic scene from the original Star Wars trilogy where uh, Darth, uh, Luke is, is battling Darth Vader and, and you killed my father. And he says, no, I am your father, right? Plot twist! Plot twist. Probably my favorite, most memorable uh, plot twist recently is from the 2013 Disney film Frozen. Uh, I'm about to spoil it, so if you haven't seen it, it's been almost 10 years, so what are you even doing? I think the statute of limitations has run out on this one. But um, remember the moment that you realized that Prince Hans was the bad guy? I did not see that coming. I'm going to be completely honest. Plot twist. Plot twist. When I was in divinity school, my friend Jennifer had never seen it, so we invited her over uh, one night to watch it, and when the scene hit, when uh, Hans leaves Anna to die, Jennifer literally leapt out of her seat and uh, started shouting at me, you knew this the whole time? You monster! How could you do this to me? It was amazing. But this is what plot twists do, right? They, they shake us up a bit. They, they leave us questioning everything we thought we knew. They compel us to reevaluate all of the things and ultimately lead us into a new way of seeing. And when you reflect on the past few weeks, months, years, even, we've had our share of plot twists, haven't we? We've had our share of events that significantly alter our trajectories. Futures we thought were pretty clear, but ultimately became much less so. Hits that just kept coming, events that left you breathless, reevaluating your priorities, questioning everything you thought you knew, seasons when it's felt like just a never-ending supply of you-know-what hitting the fan, right? And maybe in the midst of these moments, these days, these seasons, you've wondered where God is in it all. Maybe you've shaken your fist at the sky or silently sulked or wanted to flee, wanted to run in the complete opposite direction. Maybe you've given God the silent treatment because, after all, it seems like that's all you were getting anyway. So if this is you, in other words, if you're human, then we want you to know that we designed this new sermon series that we're starting today with you in mind. And to absolutely no one's surprise, we're calling it Plot Twist, a series on Jonah. A four-week series on the small but mighty book of Jonah. 
Before we get into it, I want to be sure to, uh, again, welcome you. My name is Brent. I have the great joy of serving as the pastor here at the local church, and, and we want you to know that your presence is a gift to us. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey or on no sp- journey at all, you have a place here at the local church, and we're indeed more whole with you. We say this every week, every time we gather, that, that we hope for three things uh, when, when you encounter the local church in any way. We want you to feel affirmed, anchored, and empowered. Affirmed in your belovedness as the child of God that you are, anchored in the good news that we share together each week, and empowered to let that good news and take it, let, that, let it change you and, and, and let you take it into the world to love where you are affirmed, anchored, and empowered. And uh, also this morning, uh, as I said, uh, for the next four weeks, we're going to dive into this book of Jonah. And, uh, and, and so you may want to have the Bible open to reference during the sermon or return to it throughout the week. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to, uh, to download the Bible app on your phone. Um, I recommend uh, the Bible app or the Our Bible app. Um, either one of those, you can just search for them in the App Store. Um, and if you want to get fancy and listen to it, we've uh, made available a subscription to you for uh, access to the Dwell Audio Bible, which is a beautiful app, full-featured. And uh, you can find a link to download that and sign up in, uh, on your online bulletin with the QR codes on the back. Um, I like to listen in the morning as I'm making coffee or, or when I'm driving and need to recenter. It's a beautiful way to just kind of touch home plate <laughs> every now and then, you know? Um, so the Dwell Audio Bible app, those, uh, all of those available for you. But um, Jonah, let's get into it. First, a little bit of introduction. If, uh, if, if, if you love this stuff, this Bible stuff, like feel free to just soak it all in. And if not, go ahead and download the app and come back in about two minutes, okay? But um, Jonah is a book of the Bible found in the Old Testament. The Old Testament being the story of God and God's people before Jesus bursts onto the scene. The book of Jonah is only four chapters long. Uh, it's super short. You can read the whole thing in less than 10 minutes, or you can listen to it using dwell, as the case may be. Jack read the entire first chapter for us this morning, so um, we've already been in it. Um, we're not sure who wrote Jonah, uh, but we do have a sense that it was written in what's called the post-exilic period, probably more specifically sometime between 500 and 200 BC. That's how specific it gets, 500, a span of about 300 years. Um, Scholars think it was written about 300 years after the historical figure of Jonah lived. Uh, It wasn't written by Jonah. That would be pretty weird because it'd be all in the third person, right? Um, But the book of Jonah is best described as a moral theological story a moral theological story. There's a little bit of poetry, a little bit of allegory, a little bit of satire, um, a little bit of parable. I like how uh, author and Jonah scholar Jared Bias puts it when he talks about Jonah. He says, Jonah is a story that is told to get us to think about God's relationship to the world and therefore our relationship to each other. Jonah is a story that's told to get us to think about God's relationship to the world and therefore our relationship to each other. And so there's wisdom, morality, and theology. It's a moral, theological story. And all of this, all of this by way of introduction, is meant to name the elephant in the room, or the whale, as the case may be. And that is that there's a general consensus that Jonah, as written, never actually happened in the historical sense. Jonah, as it is written, never actually happened in the historical sense. Rather, we're meant to find ourselves in the story. Story meant to grant us wisdom, meant to invite us to think deeply, meant to help us see something new. A dear friend and mentor put it like this. 
All stories are true. Some actually happened. All stories are true. Some actually happened. And Jonah is no different. And so we're hanging out with Jonah for these four weeks of this new series, Plot Twist, because the book of Jonah is just one plot twist after another. And I'm not kidding about this. It starts in the very first verse. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now what you need to know is that Jonah is a prophet. The book of Jonah is situated in the Bible, among other books, named after other prophets. A prophet is someone who points to the way things should be and will be, who calls something new out of people, who tells the truth. And many of these books about many of these prophets have a similar feature to this first line in Jonah. The word of the Lord comes to them. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord comes to them. We see it in Jeremiah. We see it in 1 Samuel and others. And when the word of the Lord comes to the prophet and tells them to do something, they get up and do it. That's just how it is. This is from 1 Kings 18. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year of the drought, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Call, response. Ask, done. Check. So our expectation then, our expectation then, when we begin to read the story of Jonah, is that there's a certain way that this is supposed to go down. Are you with me? The word of the Lord comes, gives them something to do, the prophet does it, that's just how it is. And yet right here, right out of the gate, we get our very first plot twist. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. I want you all to see. Here's what I found. <laughs> Siri wants me to know about Jonah here. Um, I want you to know. <laughs> I got it. I can handle this. I want you all to, to, to see just how much of a plot twist this is right, to not go to Nineveh and to instead go to, um, to Tarshish because this isn't just Jonah saying, you know what, I think I'll go somewhere else. This is Jonah saying, I'm going to run 2,500 miles in the complete opposite direction. We have a map. So there's Joppa where he starts at one, bottom right, uh, and then three is Nineveh, okay, where the word of the Lord tells him to go, and then Tarshish is over there all the way across the Mediterranean Sea in Spain, so this isn't just a, nah, I don't feel like it. This is a, no, I'm running as fast as I can, as far away as possible. Isn't that something? And we'll talk about this more in a few weeks. But what you need to know, too, is that Nineveh is home to the Assyrians. And there is no love lost between Israel and and the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians are bad dudes. They were known for, for putting heads on stakes before it was cool in Game of Thrones. Red Wedding, another plot twist. Not an endorsement, just saying. Um, if you committed a crime there uh, in Assyria, there was no due process in the legal system, and if you were found guilty, they'd cut off your nose and your ears so you'd be marked by your crime forever. No redemption, no second chances. Fun. More to come on the Assyrians in a few weeks, but no wonder Jonah doesn't want anything to do with them, right? Who'd be like, yes, sounds great. Let's get to it. 
So he set sail for Tarshish instead, in the complete opposite direction, on a boat with a bunch of pagan mariners, a bunch of pagan sailors. And very soon, God sends this big storm, and the ship threatens to break, and the sailors are afraid for their lives. They're throwing cargo, all the things overboard. And where's Jonah? He's sound asleep in the bottom of the ship. It's classic. Classic. It's where I'd be too. <laughs> so the captain comes. He's like, what are you doing? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe your God will save us. And so the sailors are like, let's cast lots, which is basically like drawing straws, so we know who has brought this calamity, this storm upon us. And it's Jonah. Jonah gets the lot. And the sailors, uh, they start to question Jonah. Who are you? Why is this happening? Tell us everything. And Jonah responds, don't miss this, in this, this moment of surrender a little bit. He says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Who made the sea and the dry land? He owns it. He owns his identity. And the sailor's like, oh, your God's the one who made the sea. Got it. Got it. So this is your fault then. And the storm is picking up, and there's wind, and there's water spring in their faces, and they're rocking from side to side, and they're like, well, what are we going to do with you, Jonah? And Jonah's like, just end it for me, please. Please, throw me overboard. It's all my fault. Maybe then this sea will calm down. And that seems completely reasonable, considering he was just in the bottom of the ship asleep, right? But plot twist. Instead of throwing Jonah overboard, these pagan sailors try to row back to the shore to get Jonah safely to dry land. They want to spare his life. It doesn't work. But they try. They try. And so because it doesn't work, they begin to cry out again. And notice who the sailors cry out to. Here's verse 14. Then they cried out to the Lord. Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. It's another plot twist. These sailors who boarded the ship as pagans are now praying to God, to Jonah's God. And this becomes even clearer in, uh, after they finally throw Jonah overboard and the storm at last ceases. And it says this, verse 16, Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. In other words, they worshiped this God. They worship this God. So to recap, we've had a prophet disobey God, run in the complete opposite direction, and yet in spite of his disobedience, the sailors want to save Jonah's life and end up worshiping God. Plot twist after plot twist after plot twist. Okay, but so what then? Like, what are we supposed to do with these plot twists? Well, first, it's, it's supposed to shake us up and, 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 and dig in a little bit more, dive a little bit deeper, pun intended, there. Start to question our norms, our realities, all the things. But a few things more plainly. First, Jonah is often referred to as a disobedient prophet. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. You can't argue with the fact that Jonah is asked by God to do something, and Jonah doesn't just not do it. He runs in the complete opposite direction, right? He does the complete opposite and then hides. And in normal circumstances, we know how this is supposed to go. We mess up, we're punished. We disobey, we must suffer the consequences. That's the way it is. But don't miss the final 
plot twist of this first chapter right there in the last verse. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. More on this fish next week as we look to chapter 2. But what I want you to notice is that the whole time, the whole time, God's still right there in the mix. The whole time. God's working in it all to bring something beautiful out of the chaos, something new. Jonah might want to flee God, but you remember, don't you, that moment that Jonah, in a flash of honesty and humility and surrender, says to the sailors, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who, who made the sea and the dry land. This is God at work. When Jonah wants to flee God, we expect that God's just going to hang out and wait until Jonah comes back, but that's not what happens. Plot twist. Even though Jonah runs, God never flees Jonah. Even though Jonah runs, God never flees from Jonah. And because God never flees Jonah, through his testimony, the pagan sailors come to know and worship this God. So where's the rub? I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time fretting over all the things. Anybody else? Constantly making decisions, aren't we? And I spend a lot of time analyzing these decisions, worrying about past decisions, wondering about future decisions. Am I saving enough money? Am I where I'm supposed to be right now? Did I make the right choice five years ago when I said yes to this, when I quit my job to go to divinity school? Should I buy these shoes I saw on Instagram? Will anyone show up on Sunday morning if I, if I don't send the weekly email? And for me, for me, this first chapter, it takes a little pressure off. It takes a little pressure off. It gives me space to breathe. Because when I declare with Jonah that I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land, I can breathe a little easier and let some things go. Trusting that even if I make what some might consider a wrong decision or a bad decision, and even if I run, plot twist, God won't run away from me. God won't run away from you. Because God's still in it all, working it all together for good, always. That's what God does. This is what we call grace. It's what we call grace. Maybe you know something about this too. Should I take this job? Is there something better out there for me? Will we have enough to retire? What's next for my graduate? What if I can't make this sale? Is she the one? Will my son be okay? Maybe you're feeling paralyzed by fear, worried you'll make the wrong choice. Maybe you're questioning everything and all you want to do is run. Maybe you've really messed up and you're, you're picking up the pieces. Maybe you're really worried about a loved one who's traveling down a path that you wouldn't have, have prescribed for them. And you're holding so much. You're caring so much. You don't know if you can take one more thing. Maybe it feels like God is distant. Maybe all you want to do is fall asleep in the bottom of a ship. But plot twist, God hasn't given up on you. There's no such thing as too far gone, as Leah said so well this morning. And no matter where you end up, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land is right there with you and at work in you. Sometimes at work even in spite of us. Thanks be to God. 
to bring something new, something beautiful to bear, sometimes far beyond what we could even imagine for ourselves and for the people around us. That's the good news. That's the good news. That's what God does. Next week, the fish. In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. Hey, it's Leah again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to someone who could use a little good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. For more information about the local church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at localchurchpbo. Until next time, love where you are. serve the Lord.